No, Dan's never going to be able to get them all out. Did, did you notice that you went on a roll of fucks in the last like minute? No, but it's after we stopped recording. Oh, was it? Yeah. yeah. Is that fucking folly in here? <laughs> Welcome to Born to Watch, where three old mates review and discuss movies that mean the most to them. Hi there, fellow watchers. It's that time of the week again. Born to Watch time. Excited, gal? Very excited. So pumped for this week. Yeah, look, we're live again from the panic room. And this week we're talking about 1984's Eddie Murphy action comedy epic, Beverly Hills Cop. Mate, I am pumped to talk about this one. We seem to be sticking in our comfort zones here. We've had a, about 17 Kurt Russell films, and this is the second Eddie Murphy one we're covering. Gal, what have you got to say about that? Well, how good is he? For yeah, one, he's yeah. just awesome, and he nails it in this movie. Yeah, there's no doubt. He crushes this one, but let's not get too ahead of ourselves. You're suffering a little bit from premature adulation, and leave that to me. Right? Well, I am. I mean, I grew up. Watching Eddie Murphy, so. Yeah, on repeat, on repeat. On repeat. This was Eddie's fourth movie, and this is really the one that made him a superstar. Uh, he had 48 Hours, Trading Places, Best Defense, which was a bit of a flop, and then into Beverly Hills Cop. This is the one that made him a legit star. There's no doubt. But before we get any bananas stuck in our tailpipe, let's meet the team officially. With me in the studio, the number two, you've already heard from him quite a bit, is the G-Man. How are you, mate? Excellent. Excellent. Looking forward to it. Great. And live again from Noosa, wearing the hat, is Dan from the land. How are you, bud? Gent, very well. Another week. Glad to be here. Yeah, it's good to have you, mate. And you're looking just an absolute treat, as always. I get I, I get to see you on the camera. Yeah, doesn't. Lucky me. And as seems to be the new tradition of Born to Watch, we've had a couple of messages come in from uh, some of our super fans. This one comes from another continent. And uh, I'll read this one out. This is from JB from South Africa. The episodes are getting better each week. Gow's lyrics were incredible for You've Got a Mullet, but he's got to work on his delivery. Stan Bush, kick-ass credit song, is fast becoming my favourite segment. And JB gives us five robots. So, mate, thank you, JB. It's a pleasure having you on board from across the sea. Well, that's high praise, JB. High praise, but I'd, I'd just like to know that I've been known as the songbird of my generation. That good. Yeah, you are that good. Yeah, you're proving people wrong. And it's the bohemian reckon, rhapsody of our do time. Do you reckon JB knows Muppy? <laughs> you might. We've also got another message from a great fan, and it's also about Gao. He's, he's really starting to turn some heads online. Gao's song has more choruses and verses than American Pie. It's up there. Yeah, and that's from uh, that's from Damo from Redland Bay. What a guy! <laughs> Excellent work, Damo. Love it. <laughs> and he also wanted to make a comment about how Morgs watches a movie forty times and on the forty-first time then decides it's shit. Anyway, as I mentioned earlier, this is without a doubt the movie that sent Eddie into the stratosphere and essentially gave him a license to do whatever he wants, which was good because it got us coming to America, but it was bad because it got us Vampire in Brooklyn. But I'll take, I'll take some of those bad ones because there's some absolute quality in those movies that we get from him early in the early days. Well, he was on a heater yeah. right through the 80s. Yeah, he and was. then a couple of, couple of maybe ordinary ones, but then he yeah. started to fall off a little. He does a little. And, you know, after Beverly Hills Cop, we've got Golden Child. Then we've got Beverly Hills Cop 2, which I think is arguably oh. as good, if not better, a movie. 
great. It's it's great really really movie. good. And then we've got which I think is his absolute number one movie, which is coming to America. Definitely one of the strongest starts to a career of any actor. Period. There's no doubt. Well, he was the first actor to be paid a million dollars for his first role in a movie. Really? Yeah. God, you bring the heat oh. every week, yeah. Give him the heater. Every week, every week. And look, we discussed that we most of his early stuff holds up really well today. We weren't huge fans of The Golden Child, but Beverly Hills Cop absolutely is as good today as it was in 1984. Yeah. Yeah, watched it last night and just loved it again. Yeah. And another movie, we seem to be doing this quite a bit, another movie that gives you exactly what you're going to get from minute one. You know exactly what you're in for from the minute that you see Eddie in the truck with the cigarettes trying to do the deal. And from then on, it's just balls to the wall. It's great. I love it. Gao, tell us about the movie. All right. Here's a tagline. In Detroit, a cop learns to take the heat. In LA, he learns to keep his cool. Mm. The heat is on in this fast-paced action comedy starring Eddie Murphy as Axel Foley, a street-smart Detroit cop tracking down his best friend's killer in Beverly Hills. Axel quickly learns that his wild style doesn't fit in with the Beverly Hills Police Department which assigns two officers to make sure things don't get out of hand. Dragging the stuffy detectives along for the ride, Axel smashes through a huge culture clash in this hilarious high-speed pursuit of justice. Featuring roles by Paul Reiser, Bronson Pinchot, and Damon Wayans, Beverly Hills Cop is an exhilarating, side-splitting adventure. I agree. I think it is. I think it's great. Morgs, what do you reckon? I just, first of all, I wanted to thank the guys at Capital Brewing in Canberra for sending me a whole heap of free piss this week. So uh, thank you. I really appreciate it. And uh, everyone out there is listening and happens to own a brewery, I, I make sure I drink every last drop of whatever I get sent. So, uh, yeah, thank you. But uh, what, sorry, what was your question? Does the truck ever come by the GC <laughs> on the way? No, Morgs is keeping it all himself and it's probably good. <laughs> it's the only thing that gets him through the air and a bit with us on the on the line. So I want to think about Beverly Hills Cop Morgs before we get into the trailer. Yeah, I, uh, re-watching it this week, I just thought the start was so awesome. We talk a bit about needle drops, and I know that's been superseded by the great Stan Bush kick-ass credit song, but as far as a one-two punch for two tracks to start a movie, you go yeah. from the heat is on, Glenn Fry just apps, fuck the fuck the Eagles, I'm <laughs> out of my own, and just absolutely brings yeah. it. What an absolute builder. The heat is on for the uh, for the for the brilliant the car chase at the start with the semi-trailer, which is just an incredible scene itself. But then into the Pointer Sisters with oh, Neutron Dance. Yeah. So I can't say that I would have thought I'd be a Neutron Dance fan, but just uh, when it is lit up on the screen with that brilliant opening uh, in Detroit, I think it's fantastic. So I know that um, we'll talk about music a bit later, but the Axel F theme as well was a. Uh, Absolute stalwart for G Money back in Year Nine music class. So he didn't do that well, for his final um, his, his his final task. Well, that was the Star Wars theme, of course. But of course, F was was one of your best, wasn't it, G Money? Mate, one of the, that was the first one I ever learned on the organ. You know, me and, Steno, organ. me and Steno's got it down. I was going to say I was transported back to Ennardale Crescent. Yeah. <laughs> I managed to get it down one hand, couldn't get the second hand. Yeah, yeah, mate. No, you. It, I was transported watching this, so it took me back, yeah. Mrs. Bird I was like, a hard taskmaster. Mrs. Bird failed me from the fucking recorder. So you know, well, if you're listening, Sally, uh, if you're listening, Mrs. Bird, you know, up yours. Anyway, well, yeah. enough, enough for the pineapple donuts. Now let's move on. Music, music, though, music, jokes aside, music, big, huge part of this soundtrack, which was massive. But 
When did you see this movie? Because I, I was kind of looking back at it. And the, this movie was 84. Yeah. And we, we wouldn't have watched it until, what, 87? Uh, this, I don't think this was the first Eddie Murphy movie that I saw. Because I, I saw The Golden Child in the cinema, as we've discussed before, because I looked 28. What you, how old were you? I mean, you're pretty good at maths. How old were you when you when this movie came out? I was nine, Gow. <laughs> Thank you. I got no dramas with solid numbers. It's when arseholes show in 0.25s. If this came out in 1983.75, I'd be fucked. <laughs> So anyway, look, oh, but eighty four. Like, I, you, yeah. you would, no, none of us. There's no way we would have seen it in no. eighty four. What, what were you doing in eighty four, mate? I was playing under nines for the Cougars. That's about the highlight of my life, I reckon. That was my first year of rugby. Was it your first year of rugby under nines? Yeah, under nines, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, I was. I, I always thought that I was too big to play. I didn't want to hurt anyone. Then I started playing, and I still didn't hurt anyone. <laughs> <laughs> 1984, the famed Grand Slam. Wallabies win the Grand Slam. Yeah. Mark Ellis scores uh, a try in every test match. One of the great VHS videos that I ever owned, the 84 Grand Slam tour. I can't remember what I would be doing in 1984. Far out. Where were you going to school, G? Were you in Sydney then? Yeah, Wheeler Heights. He was, yeah, he Wheeler was, Heights. Yeah, he was a Wheeler Heights guy. School for the gifted. Yes. You, did you become – you were the Ducks of Wheeler Heights, Gal? Yeah. 86, though. Yeah. Good year, 86. 86 is a good year. He's a good year. But anyway, enough of that bullshit. We'll get to 84 a bit later. Let's wait, listen wait, to the wait, trailer. Just before oh. we get on, I agree. But music is what made me think about 1984 because I had to think back yes. about what I was listening to in 1984 because oh, if you good. look at the albums of 84, it was just absolutely ridiculous. So Thriller actually came out in 83, but still yep. sold more albums in 84 than pretty much everything else. But to just go through a couple of other things that would have, were on my playlist at that time, and I'm sure yours, this the, would swing, be good. the Swing in Excess. In so, Excess, uh, oh, yeah. Original was that the follow-up was it you? the follow-up to Shabu Shabar? No, uh, pre- preceded Shabu Shabar. So okay, <laughs> very right. good. Uh, born <laughs> just in the wanted USA, to say Shabu Shabar. Oh, <laughs> in, yeah. Austra- in Australia, these were the the top-selling albums. So Rodney Roode live. Now Rodney Roode didn't oh. jump onto our radar for another couple of years, but we're, in year six, we thought Rodney Roode was the most piss-funny thing on the planet. So hasn't aged as well, old Rodney Roode. No, but, uh, we <laughs> no he's not. Enjoyed our bootleg tapes when we were in year six. Um, the Footloose soundtrack, 1984. Yeah. Uh, a, a massive favourite of mine was Pseudo Echo or Tumnal Park. Came out in uh, 1984 with There's a Beat for You in My Heart. Great track. Uh, Destination Unknown. It was a year before Love and Adventure, which is my favourite Pseudo Echo album, in case you're wondering. And Damo wow. Giles is probably the only one who's interested in this particular part of the podcast. <laughs> but... <laughs> For me, it was compilation albums were the biggest for us. Definitely. Back then. So Definitely. in 84, oh. despite the fact that it came out in 83, I was listening to Through the Roof 83 on absolute rotation. Now, let me just go through some of the tracks on Through the Roof. So Pat Wilson's Bop Girl, Dragon, Rain, Don't You Go Out in oh, the Rain. Great song. Come Shout Chameleon, out to Sunny Pine. Club, Red Red Wine, UB40. Paul Young with just uh, wherever I lay my hat. What a track. Uh, Moonlight Shadow, Mark Oldfield, Maniac, Michael Cimbello from the. um, Great song from Flashdance. Yeah. Flash dance, that's easy. Yeah, from flash dance. Great. What a song. And that was that was just the first dun, size. Anyway, dun, 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 I could, dun, dun, it, it started dun, dun, off dun, dun, compilation albums being a massive thing. 
Like it, every year you'd grab that. Choose 85 was the next. And uh, it's Robin 84 was another one we had. It's a couple of I think I had, I had 986. It was 86 up in lights. It was 84 yes, up in lights. Yes, I can't no, remember. No, I well, well, we'll throw it out to the, on the line, but I think it was probably 86. So anyway, I just, when I think 84, I, it was when I really discovered pop music and I was I was into it quite a bit, but no, I wouldn't have, wouldn't have seen this until '87 at least. Just just digressing while we're on to '80s music. What was the first album you ever owned or ever bought, Morgs on Gow? What would be the first album you ever bought? Oh, uh, Gow, mine mine was the Flashdance soundtrack. It, that's why I okay. know Maniac so well. Yeah, it was, yeah. I, yeah. I got that uh, when I got went to my grandparents' place at Narrabeen there on the lagoon and just played it over and over on my little tiak stereo, and uh, yeah, it was fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what about you? Uh, mine was a Black Sorrows. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you were lying. I wish Chained you the were wheel. lying. No, I think it was. I think it was Michael Jackson. I'm pretty sure yeah. that my sister Kelly and I had Michael Jackson Thriller. 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 That was the first one I can remember having, and we used to put the cassette in. That's as far back as I can go. Yeah, I think the first tape I ever bought myself was George Michael Faith. That was '87, I think. Yeah. So I was not. Huge into music until probably. What about Ghostbusters? When was that? Ghost was eighty four. Ghost was eighty four. But I don't think I would have bought anything. You didn't buy I think, the album for that? I, no, I think the first one I remember distinctly at Sandy's Records and DY, going down and buying George Michael Faith. You were saying about Ghostbusters before that Ray Parker Jr. track. Who are you going to call? It was it was played during early morning TV. I remember as a, a standalone video clip a lot around that time, which was bizarre that they would chuck that on in the middle of morning programming, watching the cartoons or whatever it was. I've got, I've got a distinct memory of watching Ray Parker Jr. doing his thing with Ghostbusters. It's a, so, yeah, it's a great. One. One of I've the just great, looked up the hits album. One of the great theme songs. Wham, Freedom, Alison Moyet, All Cried Out. Oh, God. Laura Branigan, Chuck Khan, Billy Ocean. <laughs> oh, is it Get Out of My Dreams and Into My Car? It's Caribbean oh, Queen. Even better. Now we're sharing the same dream. <laughs> Great and track. our hearts oh. will beat as one. Careless Whisper, following up for you, George oh, Michael. Oh, God, I love a bit of Careless Whisper. Anyway, anyway, enough on this. We've digressed. I'm sorry. Now we could keep going on this for a long time. We could, and we're not going to. I'm pulling the reins right in. Woo, woo fuckers, we're moving on. It's time for the trailer. California anyway. I was working. Working where? Beverly Hills. That's <laughs> <laughs> up. Hey, Mikey. Oh. Well, you don't mind if I ask around a little bit, do you? Don't do a damn thing. Stay out of this. You know, this is the cleanest and nicest police car I've ever been in in my life. This thing's nice in my apartment. I just got off the phone with an Inspector Todd in Detroit. He says if you're out here investigating the Tandino murder... How you doing? You needn't bother coming back. You haven't the slightest idea who you're dealing with. Look, all three of us are cops. We should be working together. Cover me. Police! You're all under arrest! You do that again? I'll shoot you myself. Now, it's time to to drink a wine, a cocktail, a, a espresso. No, I'm fine, thank you. I'll make it to myself right back there with a the little lemon twist. It's good. Try it. 
Yeah, what a great trailer. They knew how to make a trailer back in the 80s, there's no doubt, and Eddie Murphy just kills it. Eddie Murphy just kills it. So let's talk about how this movie rates. And surprisingly, it rates really, really well because not many movies from the 80s do, but this one holds up really well. IMDb's got it at 7.3 out of 10, which I think is low, and I'm probably giving myself away there, but I think that's low. Again, this is two weeks in a row. We've got a certified fresh movie on the tomato media at 83%. And with an 82% audience rating, this was obviously both very popular with the public and the critics, which is great, and deservedly so. Eddie Murphy just absolutely crushes this movie. Yeah, and it was a blockbuster in terms of revenue or you know money made as well. We'll yeah. get to that when we get yeah, to the we'll gross. Get to but we'll get to that. Yeah, but I, I, can't, I, I'm, I can see it be 83% certified fresh for sure. Yeah, no, it's and we don't know what that means. All we know is we think it means it's pretty fucking 83 good. is pretty good. 83 out of 100, I'll take it every time. So, Gao, why don't you tell us a bit about the cast? Well, where do we start? We just go straight to Eddie. Absolutely. And we've already talked about him. I mean, he'd come up through SNL. I think he was cast in SNL in 1980 when he was 19 years old. Yeah. And, you know, came up through there, but then straight into 48 Hours, massive hit straight away, 82. Nolte, Morg's favorite. Yep. Morg's favorite. Then into Trading Places, 83. What great a great movie. movie. Jamie Lee Curtis steals the scene. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Really good movie. And then did Delirious. Did Delirious 83 and then into Beverly Hills Cop. But then from there, Golden Child, Beverly Hills Cop 2, Coming to America, went through Harlem Nights, Boomerang, Distinguished Gentleman, The Nutty Professor, a couple of, couple of bad ones I, in there, then Shrek. I actually really, really like The Distinguished Gentleman, even though it's a shitty movie. I, it's actually one of the guilty pleasures that I sort of return to. Not not every year, but every now and again, I've given it a watch. Oh, quick question that, for you. That Coming to America was your... Room. Sorry? Well, Wanking in your top bedroom. That's the other guilty pleasure. <laughs> I feel I feel no guilt about that. The target catalogues. <laughs> I am beyond the guilt years. I am beyond the guilt years. Um, if coming, here's a quick question for you, Whitey. Yeah. Coming Coming to America was your favourite Eddie Murphy movie. What about Coming to America? It's horrendous. Do you know I've not watched the whole thing. I've watched about thirty five minutes of it. Had to turn it off. It was disgraceful. I haven't watched any of it based on your recommendation. Yeah. And I don't think I'll return to it. I, I couldn't get through it. It was reeked of the grab for gash, and it was shocking. Morgs, have you seen Coming to America? Same as you. I've seen a bit of it. Horrible. Yeah. Do not Horrible. watch it. Do not no. watch it. That's that's a that's a hot take from Born to Watch. It's do not watch Coming to America. Such a shame, but yeah, pathetic. Yeah, didn't need to be done. Didn't need to be done. Anyway, Gal, who's up next? I'm just sorry, just looking up. There is a Beverly Hills Cop Four. Yeah, it's it's rumored that was production. It? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. been in, I think it's been in pre-production for a long time. Oh, it's yeah. one of Morgs' scripts. It is. <laughs> it's one of Morgs' scripts. I actually think he might be talking about it in film school for fuckwits. <laughs> oh, look, I've got a few facts about Eddie. Do you want to? We can get into them later. Though, can we not. actually before we go into the facts about Eddie? Let's talk about. Let's talk very briefly about Beverly Hills Cop Three. Can we not? Because it is fucking terrible. Oh, it's horrible. Yeah. So anyway. I saw it about a year ago. I flicked it. I was like, yeah. oh, Beverly Hills Cop had so many good memories. Turned it on no. and was just. John Landis directed it. I think John Landis directed it. And it is horrible. Anyway, we've said enough about Beverly Hills Cop 3. What were you going to say, Gal? Oh, there's a, well, there's a bit of stuff about it. He, you know, he, he was obviously on a tear in that early 80s or yeah. mid 80s. But he was actually cast to be in Ghostbusters as the role of Winston Zeddemore. And that was going to be a much bigger role because Eddie was obviously quite a big star, but he turned it down to do Beverly Hills Cop. So the role went Sliding to Ernie doors. Hudson. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously it worked out for him. Yeah, definitely. Um, I couldn't imagine Ernie Hudson in Beverly Hills Cop. 
Yeah. He was offered the lead role of Who Framed Roger Rabbit that went to Bob Hoskins. Oh, he turned it down and Bob Hoskins took it and he apparently is well not happy that he made that decision. Well, in all, in all honesty, when yeah. Eddie Murphy turns you down, Bob Hoskins is the ultimate choice. Next, <laughs> well, it he? is. That's who you go to, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. But his movies are ranked the fifth highest grossing. He's the fifth highest grossing actor of all time with films up to 2016 rating $3.8 billion. Yeah. That just shows how big a star yeah, he was. Like, a lot of that is Shrek, though. Well, would be, yeah, to but, be fair. but still, a lot of money. A lot of money. Well, some of those movies, well, we'll get to the gross, but he was earning a lot of money then. He was a huge star. Yeah, he was massive. Massive. Who's up next here? Um, actually, he was going to be in Bad Boys as well. Really? For down, Will yeah. Smith? Will Smith's yeah, character. he was going to be opposite Wesley Snipes. Wow. Yeah. The sports action star. <laughs> yeah, very talented. Um, Judge Reinhold. I really like Judge Reinhold. One of the best names in Hollywood. <laughs> He's good. Edward Ernest Reinhold. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. I never knew that. Well done. His dad named him Judge when he was a kid. He's like Tiger. Well, if you were named Edward Ernest, you'd hope you get a you'd... nickname pretty quickly. Edward Ernest Reinhold Jr. And he went, no, I'm Judge, Dad. Yeah, it's like Dan's cousins. <laughs> it is. Mate, been a lot of things. First role in Wonder Woman. He was in Stripes. He was Elmo in Stripes. Yeah. One of his early, early roles. Stripes is Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Brad Robinson. Mate, Brad Robinson slapping it in the bathroom to Phoebe mm. Cates. Uh, brilliant. Uh, what a movie, yeah. Fast Times at Ridgemont High. That will be on Born to Watch. Even if you knobs don't turn up, I'll just steal that one myself. Yeah. Good movie. <laughs> I'd I tell you what, I'll pay to listen to you do a solo pod, Morgs. It would be fucking amazing. I can't wait for that. What else we got, Gal? Uh, mate, he was in Gremlins and then obviously the Beverly Hills Cop franchise set, the Santa Claus. Not much beyond that. John Ashton is next up. I really like John Ashton. He, he has a good role in this movie. This was his first role in Beverly Hills Cop. Well, real major role. Uh, but he's in Midnight Run in 88. Gone Baby Gone. Yeah. He was in. Um, he's had a couple of roles in small things. He's been in the A-Team, been in Hardcastle and McCormick. Simon and Simon. Simon and Simon. Cracking 80s shows. Fucking hell. Yeah, so not much else to report on on John Ashton. He almost – I, 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 I'm going to spoil a little bit here, but I think Taggart and Rose would almost steal the movie. They do. They are awesome. There's a bit of a story behind that yeah. too. But anyway, let's we'll keep get going. get to that. Yep. Um, Lisa Eilbacker. What a great plays sort. Jenny. Yeah, good sort. I didn't realise this. She, this was, she was in this – she was actually in An Officer and a Gentleman. She was Seager. Oh, really? So she's the one that couldn't climb the – Yeah, couldn't climb the rope. Hey, yeah. Seagar. Yeah. I never realised that. Right, okay. I didn't know that either. Yeah. Well done, Gia. But was in a couple of things. within 10 to Midnight um, with Charles Bronson, uh, Leviathan, and The Last Samurai, but had given up acting since 95. Got out of it. Yeah. It's now a bodybuilder. When you say you've Took given up, up acting, does that mean you can't get a job? Does that mean you just got <laughs> over no, it? I, I don't know. Yeah. It's a bit like quitting music. It's just you can't do it anymore. You're shit at it. Yeah, I quit. Uh, mate, next up is Ronnie Cox. Yeah, I've got Ronnie Cox. How good is he? Yeah, really good. Yeah. I mean, he's been in a few good roles. Well, he's in he's in three of the best movies of the 80s and 90s. Go. Beverly Hills Cop. Yep. Total Recall. Yep. Robocop. Yep. Yep. And and Total Recall and Robocop will be done on Born to Watch, along oh, with yeah. the solo pod of uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High with Morgs, which we're all looking forward to hearing. He was also in Deliverance. Yeah, he was. He so gets, he was the one mate, that instigated yeah, the dueling banjo. He's the dueling banjo guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's the guy they find, and his like body is just shredded. Yeah, it's all indifferent. God, that was a brutal movie. Yeah, it's it's a different. It's a one watcher. Yeah, squeal like a pig, yeah. <laughs> uh, Stephen Burkoff. Yeah, 
Good, good uh, 80s Victor bad Maitland. guy. Yeah, good, good 80s bad guy. Good bad guy. Just quietly, what about his? I know I might be going into senior, but what about his get up? What about the jacket? It's like is a, it a, it's a Swayze Karate kimono. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like a, a kimono, kimono thing. Yeah, yeah. Over his suit. Yeah, it's shit. It's terrible. Yeah, it's shit ass. But uh, he was into Clockwork Orange, Octopussy, uh, Rambo First Blood Part Two. Yeah, he, he plays the, the baddie, the Russian, the, the chopper. Was he in the chopper? No, he's the he's the Russian. He's the he's baddie, the, Russian. Yeah, Podolsky. Yeah. yeah. And then we hit Jonathan Banks, who most people would know from Breaking Bad, if you've watched Breaking Bad. Has anyone here not watched Breaking Bad? I know who fucking Jonathan Banks is, okay? I know who he is. How embarrassing. How can you who is he in about, Breaking Bad, though? Talk He's about guy. film and TV on the line. He's the guy with the stuff. Breaking Bad. He's the guy with the thing and the stuff, yeah. okay? He's Mike Aaron Trout. Right. Great role in that, too. I really yeah, like he's him. amazing. He's amazing in Breaking Bad. He's one of my favorite characters. <laughs> Paul Reiser with a very small role in the first movie. Um, Can I talk about my hatred of Paul Reiser? Go for and it. where it stems from. Mad my hatred of Paul. Re- huh? Well, no, you. it's before that. It's before that. Carter J. Burke from Aliens. Yeah. Hatred. He is forever painted as Carter J. Burke moving forward. I don't care who he played in any other movie. I hated his guts because of what he did. He was a scumbag in Aliens, so I hated him. Same as Jay Moore. Jay Moore in yeah. Jerry Maguire yeah. as Bob Sugar. Hate him as well. Any character he plays in any other movie, he's just Bob Sugar. Hate his guts. Mate, um, Paul Reiser went to the premiere of Aliens with his sister and went in there and said, look, I just played the role that told me to play. And throughout the movie, his sister punched him in the stomach. <laughs> she was that full on. Good. Goes, and he was like, oh, this isn't going to go well no. for the public when this gets out. No, he's a fuckstick in that yeah, movie. Yeah, He's the worst. Okay. I've... But, yeah, that's his major thing. He's in Concussion and he's in Stranger Things. He is in Stranger Things. He's sort of reprising a similar role to mm. the Carter J. Burke role, to be honest. It's good. He's good in Stranger Things, but I still hate his guts. Yeah, and then we get to Bronson Pinchot as Serge. Well. How good? How good a tiny role in the movie is that? Yeah, it's, it, it is for no other reason but for comic value. But look, he didn't hit the heights until he played Balky in Perfect Strangers. Well, he got Balky through this. Yeah, well, so he should have. So do you know the story behind this or we keep that for, for later? I think we on? keep it. We'll keep that for later. Okay. Because I'm, sure I'm sure it's in Good, the Bad, the Ugly. Can be. Yeah. <coughs> All right. <laughs> well, Gal, if you want to go now, just. No, no, no. I've been, no, no. I've been overridden, so whatever. I guess. How's that? Are we done? Yeah, we're done. We're done. Well done. What about the gross and stuff, Gal? Why don't you tell us a bit about that? All right, this film had a budget of fourteen million, and four million of that was for Eddie Murphy. Shit, they brought in at thirteen million, but it grossed three hundred and thirty-four million worldwide, two hundred and thirty-four million domestically. So it was above Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom was the highest-grossing movie of the year at three hundred and thirty-three million. Um, but only 179 in the US, so it was it was higher in the US or, or Beverly Hills Cop was. But I mean, above Ghostbusters, above Gremlins, Karate Kid, Police Academy, Footloose, Terminator, Purple Rain, Armadeus, which won all the awards. Armadeus won, I think, yeah. eight awards that year. Malkovich. Yeah, it uh, it, Good it year. did. Like, this is, I mean, it made 15 million in its in its first weekend, in its first five days, I should say, yep. and was number one for 13 weeks. That shows how big this movie was. Like, I think of this as a movie that, you know, would have done well and would, would, you know, 
we kind of liked it, like a lot of the movies we've done, but it actually was one of the top movies. Well, I think 84 was probably the year when I really discovered cinema. I had seen movies before that, but I think I've already told the story on the podcast about seeing Ghostbusters seven times, and that's in 84. So, And movies ran for a long time at the cinema back then, so there's probably a chance that in those seven times that I saw Ghostbusters, the Beverly Hills Cop might have been playing at Ring Mall yeah. Twin at the same time. But, oh, no doubt. But never really – I was too much of a goody-two-shoes to go and try and get into that. Mate, one – it was nominated for a couple of – for an Academy Award for a BAFTA. Um, didn't win any of those. Won a Grammy for the best score. So yeah. Harold Faltermeyer and team you know, of, won that. Of what fame? Faltermeyer. What other movie has he scored that we've recently oh, done? Oh, he has – I can't think of it. Top Gun. Top Gun. Mm. That's well, right. Top Gun that's Maverick. Right. They just yeah, repurposed right. the score. Right. But, yeah, he, he, was, he scored Top Gun. Uh, won a People's Choice Award for Favourite Motion Picture and it won a Stuntman Award for the opening. For the truck driver. Truck, truck yeah, that's a good is, chase, man. Because I was watching that going, how much cash did they burn through in this Mate, scene? How bad were the cop cars in that, in that yeah. scene, though? What about the big, like they've got the big, the big siren light on the yeah, top? Yeah, the big siren. I, that, that's in my notes. It was yeah. They were the ugliest cop cars of yeah. all time. Terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else, Jake? No, that's it. So obviously, Morgs, this is a, a favourite movie of ours. We're, Talking about glowing endorsements already. I've set the over and under here at 50. This movie came in at 84. How would you sit with over and under 50 seeing this movie? How many times? Morgs, what do you reckon? This is one of – I only had a few movies on VHS, and I'm sure this was one of them. I had this, I had Die Hard, and uh, I think maybe Predator. And they, every afternoon I reckon I flicked this on when I was, uh, when I was a tacker back in, um, back, in, back in Cromer in the hood. So, yeah, I, I think over 50, I'd have to call this one demo. Fuck you. So, yeah, I reckon uh, 50 plus. Well, surely you had Aliens on tape. I beg your pardon. You used to watch that daily. Yeah. Sorry. Aliens, Die Hard, This and Predator. I reckon whether the four I had on rotation. Good pick up, G. Sorry about that. That's embarrassment. And, and out of those four morgues, you like them all still? Well, I don't want to give it away because I don't, I don't premature adulate. <laughs> but uh, Aliens, yes, obviously one of my favourite movies to this day. Predator, yeah, don't mind it. And what was the other one I was bullshitting about? Die Hard. Die Hard, obviously. So yeah, right. yeah, okay, pretty, good. pretty much. That's good. Hmm. That's good. Yeah. What about you? What? How many? How many times do you think you've seen this? Over and under fifty. Over fifty for sure. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. This is. I could have probably put this at a hundred. I think this is a movie that was, I agree with Morgan, it's just watched over and over and over. Yeah. You know, it wasn't, I wouldn't put it past myself to watch it and then restart it again and watch it again when I was younger. So, yeah, great movie. So, Luke Nixon, this would be a yearly watch for me. to watch it in the nude there at Amble Whitey with a box of tissues next to your bed. I did a lot of things at Amble Whitey with a box of tissues next to the bed, Morgs. <laughs> you love the Kleenex. Right. Look, shout out to Kleenex, lifelong sponsors. <laughs> Some of the best times of my life I've shared with Kleenex. Anyway, look, before we slide into the categories, I've got a couple of questions I'd like to pose to you guys. And, and I'm sure they'll be covered later on, but I'm just going to pose them straight up front. So the first one, what the fuck are bearer bonds? One, this is such an '80s commodity because it's actually it's in it's in this movie, and it's actually going to be in the next movie that we cover, which we'll release later on. 
What are bearer bonds? Can someone explain that to what, me? What, do they have those in Lethal Weapon as well? They do have. Uh, Heat. Was that, oh, Heat. no, that was Kruger 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 Of course. Uh, Mork, you, you, yeah. you, you're in I the th- industry. Yeah. I, so what? all I can ascertain, I've never used them in uh, one of my scripts, but it makes it, it's a good plot device because they're negotiable. So you can steal them and it's not like stealing a check, which has got Matt yeah. White written on it. So it's, you can't you can't do anything with it. So it seems to be a really insecure form of currency that just happens to work well as a plot device in a movie. But yeah, it turns up yeah. in so many movies. Heat, yeah. heat hey, definitely heat. always springs to mind when um, when when they grab the bearer bonds there. But yeah, I had the same thing. Bearer bonds very much an eighties slash nineties uh, part of definitely. A, part of the script. Mate, they, they must be worth something because poor old Mikey Tandino. Well, got we're, taken down. We're getting the Mikey. We're getting the Mikey now. What exactly? Is the relationship between Axel and Mikey? They were old buddies along with Jenny. I'm trying to think back. Were they, they were, lovers? N- well, they could have been. Who knows? It's it's very odd. I find the whole thing to be... Eddie's a bus boy. Eddie fuck everybody. <laughs> Eddie, Eddie's got 10 kids. Yeah. Eddie don't Eddie's mind. He's throwing it around. Eddie don't um, mind. They were, they were old friends. Not sure if it's school friends, but the three of them were old friends, but they'd... Remember in the scene at the start when he talks to me, he says, you stole the car. And he goes, why did you never tell on me? Yeah, because I love you, man. Because I love you, man. Because it was Grand Theft Auto or Larceny, whatever it was. But they were were obviously tight back in their bad days. And Mikey stayed on the bad side and actually became the cop. But he had a real opportunity to slay Jenny. Like, she was up for it, I reckon. If he he had a crack at Jenny, she was was all up for it. And I don't know, is he pining for Mikey? I don't know. So it's a question. That's a twist. Yeah, it's just a question. Anyway, last question. What the fuck is with the art gallery? Is anything in there considered art? Let's be honest. It, that's another 80s thing, right? Just shit art. Morgs, have you got any shit art in your house that would be worthy out, of 80s? I got naught out of 100 for art in year seven, and that was the last <laughs> time I did any art. You're asking the wrong fucking that's true. guy. I'll tell you what, Morgs, your hat's a bit art. <laughs> so let's... Slide into the categories, the good, the bad, the ugly. We're going to talk about the things that we liked about the movie, things that we thought were a bit average and obviously the ugly. Morgs, let's get you started on good, mate. What do you think? Yeah, I, I had a, f- a few thoughts on good. I mean, one of the things that sprang out to me, though, was this, this was kind of the first buddy cop movie. Like, it, and it, yeah. it, it kind of everything kind of spawned from here. So there was similar cop with a with a with a friend like 48 hours you look at that that's cop and a convict type thing where they they start off as enemies and and forge a friendship type thing but the buddy cop trope has become such a a a common part of of film history since this movie but you got to think this that hadn't happened in the early 80s so i think that that's it's really impressive that this this kicked off that type of uh film that we that we love so much and I also really like the way that this film balances the, the humour and the drama and the action. Like, it, it's really interesting how, and, and on the rewatch, it was very apparent that there's no there's no real dead bits and there's no times where they're using the wrong bit in the wrong scene. Like, it, there's dramatic bits when he's 
facing Victor Maitland and he's he's accusing him of killing his friend Mikey Tandino. Tandino, yeah, and it's 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 perfect the way that the tone is then. But then there's other slapstick moments throughout, like the banana and the pearl pipe and, and and shit like that, which are which are comedic gold. And then the action sequences, like the start, which old mate won a won an Oscar for, or got nominated for an Oscar for. I think that that is it's pretty hard to try and, and lots of films after this tried to 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 get the same like. Uh, ones that spring to mind like uh, Bad Boys was very similar. They would try and do the action, try and do the comedy, try and do the um, the drama as well. And I think to a to a point, it, it, Bad Boys doesn't do it too badly. But Beverly Hills Cop was the first to do it really, really well. And I think a lot of a lot of films owe a great deal of gratitude to to Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah, no doubt. It's it's also probably the real first action comedy, really. Like you can say, Forty Eight Hours is probably. But this is that's a that's a drama with a lot of comedy comedic moments, but not well, even a lot, just a few comedic yeah, moments. It's, so, well, yeah. he's he's a comic foil. Like, this is a yeah. comedy first, I think. Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah, this would be. I think well, I would class this as comedy first, and I think it's really it it sort of it starts the trend, like what you said, Morgs. It's not only the first real buddy cop movie, but it's it sort of bucks the usual trend and it puts comedy in front and puts the action to the back. It's a bit like a mullet, you know. It's all party at the front, <laughs> party, at your front. Bus- party at the front, but business at the back, you know. Like it's a bit of a reverse mullet. But uh, yeah, Gail, what do you reckon for good? Well, obviously Eddie is good. I mean, this just showcases how good he really is. He's and great. It, yeah, and he's just great, and he's charismatic, and the camera loves him, and everybody loves him. You know, and he was so big at this time just because of how good he was. But what I really loved about it was just how he, how they were able to show he's so quick. With his talk, you know, the scenes where he comes out, he's coming up on the spot to get out of trouble, like the hotel, the Rolling Stone magazine, the Harrow Club when he turns into Ramon, the FDA inspector in the warehouse. It just shows yeah. his talent to be able to come up and, and he can bring that stuff up and, and do it so well and pull into a character. It just shows his comedic genius to me. That, that to me is what I loved. On the other side, what I loved is the really theatrical deaths that they have. <laughs> it's the 80s deaths. Yeah. Right? How many bullets do they lay into Maitland at the end? Yes. Not only do they lay the bullets in him, but then they've got the got to throw him down the stairs too. Yeah. So he's got to roll down the stairs at the end. Like, and when they kill Zach, Jonathan Banks, he actually turns his head and runs backwards into the glass cabinet. <laughs> like they shoot him, and he see him, he turns his head and runs backwards into the cabinet and smashes himself on the ground. It's just yeah. so theatrical, which kind of just make it's kind of the, the time though. He had a similar death in Breaking Bad, though, didn't he? Where he fell into the glass. No, and, not at all. No. Oh, okay. Sorry, no. it's different. Different thing. Different guy. Just watch, watch it. Show. Just fucking that watch was, it. Just that watch was Jono, Breaking right? Bad. That just was watch Breaking Bad. Just watch it. It's hard. You've you've mentioned all the good. Look, Eddie is just he's quality. He's great in this movie. And you've mentioned a lot of the stuff that I was going to to talk about. But you're right, Gal. When he when he assumes a character, when he becomes someone other than Axel Foley, that's when he shines. Hmm. When he's on the cuff, he's off the cuff. He's flying off the cuff. And and I love that warehouse scene. That's amazing when he becomes the inspector. And it's just fucking hilarious. He's so good. He's so clever. But he's just, he's so laid back as a character. And then he also, he's so quick, you know, with the lines too. And it just, yeah, it just, it just brilliantly showcases. And because we've punted Needle Drop because Kick-Ass Credit Song has just become an animal and we're trying to save some time there. The music in this movie is second to none. Yeah, really good. It is good. a great soundtrack and, and a worthy winner of Academy Award. But the heat is on. Glenn Fry is the best. Glenn Fry, this song from Glenn Fry, The Heat Is On, and Boys of Summer are two of the greatest 80s songs of all time. Yeah. I love Boys of I Summer. I love Boys of Summer. It's good. Love it. 
love it. it. Really takes me back. But Morgs, you were right. Starting at the start of the show, just kicking off with the heat is on into the Neutron Dance. Not only is it great music, but it's actually a great part of the movie. Like it's nonstop, and you know, again, you know exactly what you're getting. It's really, really fucking good. There's a couple of songs in there by Patti LaBelle. Mm. Stir it up. And, and Nasty Girl. Who can well, uh, shout out to Goobs, who has been seeing Nasty Girl for about 25 years. Tonight, you want to dance with me? You think, think I'm a nasty girl? In the strip club, just one of the best. It's incredible. It's so fucking good, Nasty Girl. Written by Prince. Well, it's <laughs> it, no doubt. It was. Uh, and the stripper in the scene suggested that, putting it in. Well, and props to her. Let's slide it's a, it's a good song. Let's slide another dollar bill into the G banger. <laughs> well done. I might even give her a tenner. But what about Taggart and Rosewood? Talk about Buddy Cop. These two, they are polar opposites, but just the best. I love these two. They just bounce off each other so yeah. well. Yeah. You know, Taggart's so, you know, he's the boss and he's grumpy. He's grumpy and he's straight. Yeah. And Rosewood's a little simpler, but you know, yeah. he he's he's more malleable. Yeah. I think you're drinking too much coffee. So, so can we go into the story about that? Yeah, please do. So good, the good the, segue. When is it Martin Brest who was the director? Who I don't think we went into the director. We didn't. But we, anyway, we brushed the we director brushed two weeks in a row. But he went in and he asked a few of these different, I'll call them couples, that he had acting partners to to go through and do some of the stuff they were going to do. And he said to basically, act like you've been a married couple and you've been married for for ten years, <laughs> and they just riff off each other. So that scene where they do the red meat. Yep. He talks about the red meat. He goes, yeah. "Oh, you, you know, you just eat a lot of red meat." Yeah, that that they did as off the cuff in that, and then then it came in the movie, and it was pretty much word for word. So that's how they got in. They were they just basically had that rapport with each other, and that's how the two of them got cast. Yeah, but most of the stuff they did with Eddie Murphy in the movie was all ad lib. So the super cop scene, yeah. have you seen that? Mate. Did you have that in your listen to this? It no, I didn't. Oh. I didn't. The super cop scene when they're talking, you can actually see John Ashton. He puts his like because Eddie Murphy's saying, you know, we're super cops, and like yeah. you could have run with it. And it's one of life. the best parts of the movie. He's actually holding his eyes, pinching his eyes, but he's laughing. Yeah, because he's because he, apparently it took so many takes. A bit like you got a mullet. <laughs> <laughs> took twenty six takes. My twenty six. <laughs> you wait till we release the filthy Luca remix of yeah, I got a mullet. Go for twenty four minutes. <laughs> Yeah, so that's how they they all riffed a lot of that stuff in the movie. Yeah, mate, it's just it's such talent, such talent. Eddie Murphy, just such a talent. Of course, Serge, absolutely, for no other reason, just to have a laugh. He's just a c- complete comic foil. There's no real need to be in the movie <laughs> except just to laugh, and he's good. I laugh again at Lemon Twist. Get the fuck out of here! No one cannot. It's every time he talks, I'm chuckling with Serge. So he was not, he's been in, we didn't talk about him, did we really in the movies, but he'd only been in a couple of things. He'd been in, he'd been in the, like one movie, I think. He was in Risky Business. He was in Risky Business. Yes, for this, he's but, one of Tom Cruise's mates. Yes, yep. Barry. He hadn't been in much, but anyway, he was, he came in this movie and they kept pushing back the, the dates for it to film and he wasn't a star at all. So, and he only had a small part. So he was like, and he was going away to Italy with his girlfriend and he was like, I'm not going to do it. Like, if you can't, if we're not going to film, I'm going to go. If we don't bring it forward or we don't do it now, I'm, I'm pulling out. I'm, that's it. That's it. And he just thought it was a bit part of the movie. And then once he did it, came back from his holiday, he got mobbed and there were people looking for autographs. And obviously he was awesome. And he was like that. And that, then he got into Perfect Strangers. Then he got all the other breaks he got. And he was like, I nearly didn't do it. Because yeah. he was just like, oh, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna miss my I'm not gonna miss my holiday for this bit part. Well, he's a good bit part. I'll give you the tip. Fucking yeah, funny. killed it, nailed it. Yeah, I had I had Ronnie Cox, but we've spoken about Ronnie Cox being in three of the best movies of the eighties and nineties. Anything else, Morgs? You got anything to add? Uh, I mean, overall, I think that the I, I I'll come back to him in quotes, but I think Inspector Todd is a scene stealer as well. Oh. So. Very little screen time, but I just every time I watch this movie, I just piss myself whenever he's on there. It's uh, I think he's brilliant. So yeah, I think I think that's probably part of the good is that whilst it's uh, there's a lot of vignettes, a lot of scenes that seem like they're stitched together. And you mentioned about um, Bronson Pinchot, maybe it wasn't needed in the movie, but I think that's what makes the movie brilliant. It's just a whole heap of these scenes of uh, allowing Eddie to flex his chops, but also all these bit player character actors who are just brilliant. So and uh, Inspector Todd's one of them for sure do you think he's even better in in beverly hills cop 2 totally agree yeah totally agree same with paul riser gets more time they expand their roles beverly hills cop 2 is brilliant i I think that's a fantastic sequel as far as sequels go aliens is is definitely the best sequel for me but beverly hills cop 2 is up there with with godfather 2 so it's uh it's definitely it's a high empire strikes back don't forget empire strikes back don't forget the empire all right well i think we've i think we covered quite a bit of the good Anyone got anything for bad? Yeah, I had one. Yes. The fact that this film is almost 40 fucking years old. Mm. 40 years. Do you guys remember playing Trivial Pursuit when you were kids? Yes. Remember how you'd, you'd always play against your oldies and they'd always know the answer to shit that happened what you thought was years <laughs> ago because it was 20 years ago and you're like, yeah. how do they know all these answers? Like, I'll never know as much as that. Yeah, you will. All you need to do is just live another 40 years and you'll know all the answers. So that's what I feel about this movie. I can't believe it's uh, almost 40 years since this was made. Yeah, it's Crazy, long, isn't it? Yeah, it's a long time ago now. Um, yeah, you got anything for bad? Oh, no, not really. A couple of things. Like when they throw him out the office window, I mean, yeah, there's, there's no real reason to I've, throw him out I've the window. That. I've got that. Yeah, it's a bit over the top. And just really convenient how they just happen to get in the warehouse and then the guy just walks in and opens up the bearer bonds and yeah. just starts talking about the bearer bonds in yeah. the middle of the work. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit, but I know they're creating the story. Well, look, on, on the window part, like I've been, I've been through a window and I got hurt. I got hurt. I got cut. I got shit all over my face. I got cuts yeah. on my legs. He gets nothing. He just lands on his back and then he just pushes his hands off the glass and up he gets. Like, the window part's not needed. It no. really isn't. And he does nothing to deserve it. No, they kind of just yeah. seven guys just throw him at the yeah. window. It is over the top. Yeah. It's like, well, if I wasn't suspicious now, I'm fucking suspicious. Exactly. Then. If I wasn't suspicious exactly. then, I'm fucking suspicious now. Yeah. Right? You know, I was thinking about the other day where we did, we did Roadhouse as well. We didn't talk about it, but... The other thing that was a bit weird is how normalised knife play it was as part of yes. Dalton's day. Like it's, everyone yes. was carrying a knife and slashing at him and trying to stab him and then they were just <laughs> thrown out like, oh, on you go, you ruffians, you know, out of the pub. Like not you just tried to murder me with a fucking deadly yeah, weapon. attempted murder. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I had that in my notes for Roadhouse. It was about attempted murder and it's the same here. The 80s was just, it was excess in every way. They were throwing a shit tonne of coke up their snorter and they were Heaps trying to slash bags. They were, trying to slash, they were trying to they were trying to murder people in the, at the first drop of a hat. Like it was excess in every way. Again, nerdy eighties hitman, and one of them's actually in Total Recall. That's not the guy that our mate that's in Breaking Bad. That really great character in Breaking Bad. He looks a bit like in, Steve Zahn. I know the guy you're talking about. He does. About. He does yeah. look like Steve Zahn, but he's actually the guy with um, who's the baddie in Total Recall? Um, Co Hagen. Co No, 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 no. The no, that's Ronnie Cox. 
the henchman. Yeah. Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Michael Ironside. Oh, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Michael he Ironside. Does. He does. Yeah. He, he drives the, the car. The, uh, this guy, the henchman, drives the car. But yeah, look, I don't have. I, I had I had Maitland's shirt or the kimono. What the fuck is that? Yes, yeah, uh, it was his. He was channeling Dalton. It was very similar to one of Dalton's shirts. That was the jacket look, version. I, I had one going into the scene where Mikey Tandino comes to meet him. So he sits in his apartment eating food. Yeah. Now this is eighty four. So With the fridge open. So there's no there's no GPS or anything like that. These guys must have followed him. The only way they could know he's in Detroit is they. Followed him. Yeah. So they didn't attack him when he's at his on his own in the apartment. They waited till he went and had a few beers and then attacked him in the hallway yeah. of a unit block. Yeah. And then knocked him out and then left Axel knocked out. Shot him and with no blood splatter or yeah. no blood anywhere. And in the hallway. Him, and then shot him again. With with doors all around everywhere. Yeah. No, it was yeah, that's a bit of a nitpick. Anything for ugly? That was it. That was my ugly. Yeah. I've got nothing for ugly. Morgs? Nothing. No, definitely on the rewatch, nothing that, that sprung yeah. out of me. You're right. That's just a nitpick. Yeah. I, I, there's not a hell of a lot wrong with this movie. You've you got to really look to find some things that are, that are, that are ugly and, or bad even, and there's not much. So now we're going to move into Listen to This, where we talk about some rumours and behind-the-scenes stuff from the movie gown. This is really your wheelhouse. This is where you usually bring the heat. What do you got? Oh, geez, I've already gone through a lot of stuff. Yeah, that's okay. I, I don't know if I have any left. Okay. All right, I do have some left. <laughs> This and you may have this already about sliced alone. I do. It's my only. Well, one. I'll let you. I'll let you. Run no, no, no. It. You I'll go. No, no, no. No, you go. Well, this was going to be a sliced alone script, and he was he'd made it. He'd given it a whole. He got involved in the script and made a gave it a massive rewrite, and it was going to be a dramatic action film. Um, and Billy Rosewood was going to be called Siddons. Was going to be killed off halfway through it. He actually renamed the lead actor to Axel Cabretti. Oh, and we got him later. Sign of things to come. Yeah, yeah. eighty six. Um, yeah, so anyway, and Jenny Summers was going to be his love interest, uh, but then he was going to make it a really strong action film. Anyway, it was deemed too expensive for Paramount to produce, so he pulled out two weeks before it, and then they got Eddie Murphy, and obviously he ended up making Cobra. with In 86? In 86 with Cabretti as the, as yeah. the main character. Marion. So he made, you know, obviously he just took all his ideas to that. They got Eddie Murphy to replace him, and it was only on two weeks' notice, but they also had... Richard Pryor, Al Pacino, James Kahn, and Harrison Ford was given the option of Axel Foley and turned it down. Yeah, I, I can't see no. old Harry playing Axel. Well, it would have been a different movie. It would have been a different and, movie. And Eddie, Eddie just would have been his probably role, right? more the Stallone style than the yeah than the Foley the uh, Foley that we know today. Okay, I got one when he when he checks into the Beverly Hills Palms, and he's abusing the people behind the desk, and he's saying. I'm here to write an article for Rolling Stone called Michael Jackson sitting on top of the world. And in real life, Playboy actually wrote an article, Eddie Murphy sitting on top of the world. How fucking good is that? Yeah. Very, very good. It's good when you can quote yourself. Right. Yeah, you're very clever. You got any morgues? Yeah, a few. I mean, the the one thing I always enjoyed and, and noticed on the rewatch too was that there's a lot of scenes inside the Beverly Hills Police Department, which – is I'd always wondered at the time why it popped up so much. And if you look in there, it's it's all for that for nineteen eighty four it was a lot of computers and a lot of technology and everything going on. And apparently the the idea was that they wanted it to look as little as possible as the police department in Detroit. So uh, making it very much incongruent to where Eddie was coming from and Eddie's character. But they based it on the movie War Games with uh with uh, Matthew Broderick. Have you guys seen that? 
Yeah, War yes, Games. I yes. saw that at the movies. I was, I it made me think movies. about it because you saw that at movies. Yeah, I saw War Games at the movies. Because yep. that was 83, 83, maybe? 83 yeah, War Games, yeah. wow. So, no, yeah. I never saw it at the movie. I saw it later on, but uh, I enjoyed it. It wasn't a tic-tac-toe. The computer plays against uh, against Matthew Broderick and he has to beat Correct. him. Yeah. Anyway, so I thought it was amusing that they, they tried to make the police – the police station of Beverly Hills look like war games as uh, as making it the as a, as a place to protect rich people essentially was what they were of going course for. so that was of interesting course. yeah you got anything else I got one more go gal Gilbert Hill who played Inspector Todd yeah he was actually a real life Detroit police homicide detective in a previous lifetime before he got into movies and I don't think he did too many he did the Beverly Hills cop. Movies he just yells the whole time. He's bullshit. It is the quintessential 80s copper yeah. that just yells the whole time. I love it. It's so good. Just got a little ass back there. <laughs> oh, let's get into quotables because there's yeah, some good ones that's there. That's it. So let's move. That, well done, Gal. Good digression. And let's move into quotables. What do you got? Hit me, hit me more, hit me Morgs. Give me one Morgs. I make absolutely no bones about the Inspector Todd being a scene stealer, and I, I had no idea he was an actual policeman because he was in this movie. Like we always like swearing in movies, and it was definitely a giggle when we were younger, and it's probably a bigger giggle now. But his his f bomb count, like, is that fucking folly in here? <laughs> you mind telling me where the fuck you come off going undercover without authorization for me? What the fuck is this all about? You want to play some fucking bullshit cowboy cup? Go do it in somebody else's precinct. Don't you want to hear my side of the story? What's your fucking side of the story? <laughs> Let's hear your side of the story. Oh, that, I had that, that. I had that, Morgs. That is the best. It's the <laughs> best it's quote. It's quite a tirade. It's quite a tirade. Okay, let's hear your side of the story. <laughs> That's the best. That whole sequence is just fantastic. Oh. And he's, yeah, oh, and, and, and Paul Reiser. This is not my locker. <laughs> this is not my locker. Both of them seen still. They have very little little to do, Paul Reiser and uh, and old mate, and uh, and they just crush it. So, yeah, love it. Yeah, no, very, very good. Yeah, what do you got? My other one is Eddie Murphy in the scene or early in that scene talking to Paul Reiser, and it's one that I use a lot, and I know that we all use a lot, is la, 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 la. I am not listening to you, Jeffrey. <laughs> My Constantly. poor wife cops that cops that a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chrissy, she deserves it. Though. <laughs> that the seven. She cops that a lot less than the la 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 la. I'm not listening. <laughs> she doesn't listen, so it's okay. We can say whatever we want. She's gonna listen to this one. <laughs> uh, okay, I've got a very subtle one, but it's the. When he when he hands the keys to the car, the valet at the uh, at the at the club, and he's like, "Can you put this in a good spot? Because all this shit happened the last time I parked here." <laughs> uh, what? Oh, just on that, what's the go with shit '80s cars in American movies? They're just those they're the old sort of muscle car-y sort of shit cars. Yeah, his car was terrible. Terrible car. It actually got dirtier as the movie went on. Yeah, yeah. terrible car. And I got one. I got them for Surge. I mean, Surge only has those couple of scenes, but it's great. Achman, Achwell. It's not. It's not sexy. <laughs> Dude, when he's what got the, his chest? He's got the chest hair out. Yeah. Oh, you look like a dog. He's so funny. Get so the fuck out of here! No, I cannot. <laughs> no, I cannot. I got that. That's so good. Nah, look again. It's one of these movies where there's a thousand quotes, and I think we've just we've sort of covered some of the better ones. 
you're not going to fall for the banana and tailpipe. It's, I used to laugh my head off that. Yeah. It's not that funny now. Like no. it's it's funny, but it's it, back then I I found it hilarious. Oh, I used to laugh so yeah. much at that. Yeah. Because his voice doesn't sound that nasally is what he pulls off. But yeah. Apparently That's the Damon- director the director would be they'd start a scene and if they were having any troubles, he would just turn to to Eddie Murphy and go, Eddie, you got anything for this scene? And Eddie would just think about it for 30 seconds and then improvise one of the scenes you see in the movie. Like it he's just absolute genius. Yeah. yeah, no, very, very clever, very quick. Very quick, there's no doubt. Okay, look, again, there's a thousand quotes, as we said before. Uh, they're some of, the, of our favourites. If you've got some favourites, we'd love to hear from you. Send it in to the Born to Watch podcast on Facebook and Instagram or email us at borntowatchpodcast at gmail.com. And look, we always like the end of quotables because that means it is film school for fuckwits. Yes, fellow fuckwits, thank you. Another week where we listen to an hour of dribble and then three minutes of actually learning something in film school for fuckwits. So this week, actually, that was one of our listeners that uh, that got me thinking about uh, a pretty crucial bit of filmmaking that us in the business spent a lot of time getting right for you guys. So, uh, and and John Bull, I uh, don't know that it's his real name, but he pointed out uh, a pretty funny continuity error in Commando. Uh, so this week I thought I'd talk about a little bit about continuity. So in the industry, we refer to continuity as the principle of making sure that all the details on a film are consistent from shot to shot and from scene to scene. So if a scene upholds the standards of con- continuity, each shot feels as though it seamlessly froze from the previous shot, uh, reinforcing a sense of realism in our story. So in reality, however, because of the way we work in the business, it's likely that we film shots at a different time or in a completely different order. So for instance, if at the beginning of a scene an actor picks up a delicious jalapeno margarita, with their right hand, uh, continuity dictates that they should be holding that glass with their right hand throughout the whole scene. But unfortunately, it doesn't uh, doesn't always happen. So continuity problems occur often in scenes with uh, with establishing shots or master shots or long shots uh, and medium shots or close shots. So establishing shots and wide views of the scene and include a lot of props and furniture and and, and set the scene. And medium shots are more close up and focus just on the actor or actors if it's a two-hander without a lot of background. So during filming, our set crews often move all of the props and furniture into and out of the scene for various types of shots. So this back and forth is an easy way for visual continuity errors to sneak in. And uh, I guess for us, just one, with, just on, just but uh, just on that, Morgs, just yeah, on yeah, that, yeah. Morgs, like sure. There's the famous coffee cup in Game of Thrones. Right, Absolutely, which is now being yeah. taken back and been in, taken away. Now, in any of your films, is, have you had anything that's been major that you've that you've caught in post before it's been released? No, thankfully, a lot of most all of my films are a long way from post production. They're, they're not quite into production. <laughs> they're in they're in pre 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 production. But I, I'll tell. I mean, I, I mean, we can jump to it. But I, I will go through. Uh, some some common types of continuity errors, but um, now let me look. Please let me come back to it because I do, I do have some okay. some tips that I use in in in, in my projects that uh, can prevent continuity errors. But basically, it uh, it, it a lot of um, it, this is for for all you fuckwits out there. What's really good is if you have seen a movie a zillion times, like pretty much everything we talk about too. You can often watch your movie and see if you can spot continuity fuck ups. And the most common to look for are 
prop and costume continuity. So like a different colour coffee mug or beer mug or a different number of buttons buttoned on the shirt or the blouse of an actress or whatever. That's always an easy one. Um, uh, Acting continuity is another one where as filmmakers – we often take several takes of the same shot and take it from different um, from from different widths, and it's 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 slightly different each time. So it can often uh, have an actor picking up a prop with the wrong hand or looking at a different angle when they when they have a response to an actor. So it's very easy for a continuity issue to happen with an actor. But time continuity is another one. Like if well, that's probably we, the greatest one. Time continuity, yeah, isn't it? We're shooting like you, you often hear about this is the best light or it's the golden hour. Like there's this that's why a lot of you said, go, you, said, you, said, you said golden hour, right? Yeah. Oh, oh that's okay. just the, that's the best light in the afternoon. But, yeah, yeah. if, you, if yeah, you're shooting at a certain time and you want good using natural light, then the shadows are going to be different if you're shooting at different scenes. So that there's a lot of time continuity issues that can happen with different lengths of shadow between shots, et cetera. But plot continuity we've talked about a lot, like inconsistency with, with what's happening with the plot or subplots in a film. So these are all things that when you're watching a film you can just keep an eye out for and feel really, really smart when you're telling your miso or whoever at the end of the day about what you picked up. But uh, one thing that probably it's a, a little bit over your level, it's probably just for me in the business, but camera and audio continuity is something that Whitey always bitches about because I'm always uh, rattling my jalapeno margarita in the microphone or tapping the keyboard or, you know, when yeah. these guys talk, I generally tune out and just wait till I it's get called, to say it's something. It's called... It's called Mike Discipline. Dickie, yeah, Mike Discipline. Anyway. What, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, but uh, it's distracting variations in things like light levels or image sharpnesses or volume. Or, that's another continuity. So anyway, some some famous continuity errors, which is what old Johnny Bull got me onto. So Pulp Fiction, uh, one of the more famous ones. So when you see uh, Jules and Vincent going to to grab back the the briefcase and they get shot with the hand cannon, you can actually see the bullet holes in the wall prior yeah, to them actually being shot. 100%. So that's a pretty famous one. In Gladiator, now this one's, I, I count this more as a blooper than a continuity era, but if in, in the big scene, which is the Battle of Carthage, and they've got the uh, the chariots rushing around, when one of the chariots goes down, thanks to Rusty pulling a move with his, uh, with his ragtag bunch of Gladiator misfits, it falls over again. You actually see the uh, the gas strut in the back that's powering yep. the, <laughs> the, that. So again, that, that's a continuity error. But what, the one that was pointed out by Johnny which I think is really funny is Sully's wreck slash unwrecked Kleiner Schwanz Porsche in uh, in Commando. So you know, when Matrix tracks down and kills Sully, uh, he commandeers that yellow Porsche and he flips it over yeah. and he drives off with Radon Chong. However, there's a, a massive continuity error related to the damage that that car sustained. And the first well, they should have died in that crash. They should have died in that crash. No, that was the, in the red, her red car. They should have died, but in the Kleiner Schwarz. Oh Porsche, yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, in the, yeah. in the Porsche, yes. The, and the very next shot you see, it, he turns around and he drives off, and it's a completely undamaged car. So it's really yeah. funny. You can't unsee it when you once you've seen it. But who fucking cares? Commando's sick, and I can throw a Schwarzer Spiegel's. But you, you asked before, what are my tips uh, when for maintaining continuity? Take photos. So it's good to have someone on set taking still photos. It can be Polaroids to make sure that you understand how the continuity is doing. Um, you, you have someone writing a detailed continuity report as well. Keep your shooting days together. Like we all love to bludge and go out on the piss and, and maybe blow off a few shooting days, but it's better that you keep it tight because then you can remember actually what was fucking happening so that you don't fuck up continuity. And the best thing is hire a script supervisor like myself to make sure nobody balls it up. So, um, yeah, anyway, that's, uh, that, that's a bit about continuity.
Look, amazing, Morgs. It never you never cease to amaze me the, the the breadth of knowledge that you have in the industry. I can't wait till we start the Born to Watch filmmaking courses that'll be run by Dan on the land, pulling his hat over his face so no one can see his head because he just uh, wants to be. I've started putting together a, a few a few segments of that course on my MySpace account, so it'll be up and running soon. And uh, yeah, look forward to it. But there's absolutely no reason why you guys can't be in the industry like I am. No, there is absolutely no reason why we can't be in the same industries that you are. You're right there, Daniel. Well done, thank you, mate. I always walk away here a smarter man than I was when I walked in. So thank you, Daniel. Appreciate it, and keep bringing it. Keep bringing the heat. Now. We've gotten rid of Needle Drop and we've spoken a bit about the the songs. Just get to it. Just it's, get to it's it. It's now what is fast becoming four people's favourite part of the podcast and it is the Stan Bush kick-ass credit song. And tonight, it's me. I'm a bit nervous because I'm going on a little bit of a different tangent here tonight and I'm going to do the first kick-ass rock power ballad. I may have forgotten how the melody of the song goes and I'm – I'm actually have just been while Morgs was dribbling on in film school for fuckwit, so I think I've may have just re put another arrangement in and figured it out. So uh, here we go. It's called Duffel Bag of Broken Dreams. <laughs> Undercover Detroit City. The air is dirty and the crooks are gritty. My buddy Mikey took one in the head. He was on his knees when they shot him dead. For a plastic bag of bearer bones I'm gonna see if I can rhyme this whole song Cause nobody can stop The fish out of water Beverly Hills Cop I got a duffel bag of broken dreams Over in Cali nothing's as it seems And if I bring old Maitland down Burn his operation to the ground I'm gonna need Taggart and Rosewood too Without the three of us we won't pull through We're gonna risk our lives to stop I'm just a fish out of water Beverly Hills cop I'm gonna fuck this song right up Cause I'm a Beverly Hills cop. Done. <laughs> Solid. Solid effort. Oh, Our first power ballad. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm Good fairly certain stuff. after that, it could be the last one. <laughs> Did you, do anyway, you feel like that was the melody that you originally wrote? No, or something? no. No, it's definitely not the melody I originally wrote. In fact, it was, I felt, it was, I was slim shading it. It was just purely ad-libbed. I had the words there. I was just making it up as I went. So anyway. Was it, was it a melody to a song or was it? No, nah, just making shit up. Your own melody. Yeah, it was, it was what I would call that an extended limerick. It, we'll call it limerick school for fuckwits. And that was chapter one. Choose your own melody. Yeah, choose your Outstanding. own adventure. Outstanding. Great <laughs> job. Well played. Great work. Well, look, it, it's, it's no, uh, I've, uh, you got a mullet. It's definitely no, don't tread on my tombstone. And it's definitely no double shot fucking Wednesday that was Aja Sphinxter Black Speedos. That has been described as the best English German mashup since 99 Red Luft Balloons. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I think Maybe. you coined it that. Let's move into Star of the Show. Yeah, who you got? Who's your star? Well, I think we've been through it. It's Eddie. It's Eddie for me. Yeah. Closely followed by Inspector Todd. 
<laughs> yes, yes. Although Taggart and Rosewood, pretty good. Yeah, they're very good. There's a, there's a 3 one there, but it's definitely got to yeah. be Eddie. He yeah. just kills the movie. Yeah. Morgs, what do you reckon? Yeah, I, I agree with play. Yeah, I mean, Eddie, Eddie and Inspector Todd were my favourite characters, but there's no weakness. Everyone comes in, does a job, and smashes it out of the park. Just, uh, yeah, great act. I'll give it to Eddie, but everyone else gets a close second. Yeah, look, I'm with you guys. Eddie's the man, and everyone else is a close second. It's Eddie first, and there's a bit there. Look, I, I like Jonathan Banks. He's really good. I, I do like him in that. Yeah, I still don't really know who he is, but I'm going to take your word for it. He's one of the hitmen, and he was in Breaking Bad, not the guy that was in Total Recall. Okay, so we all agree it's Eddie Murphy's movie, and there's no doubt. And look, I think we, we can wax lyrical all we want about the greatness of Eddie Murphy, but it's here on show. Beverly Hills Cop sets 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 the scene well sets the cinema world alight and it's no doubt that he is a star to stay and he has and he's stood the test of time he's done a heap of shit films but it's those diamonds in the rough especially lately that still make you think about how freaking talented this guy is he's actually talking about doing another live comedy album so that would be something good to see I'd really enjoy to see that. Really, it'd be really interesting to see how he how he does one now as yeah. opposed to how he did one in 83 and 87 Absolutely because he's apologised for a lot of the jokes that he did. In, you can't apologise. You can't apologise for that. You can't, yeah. though. You can't do that. It was great for the time. Amazing. Fucking funny. All right. So let's 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 rate this one. And this is going to be interesting. I've got a couple. I want to throw a couple things up to you about what we think we rate it as. We've got Bananas in the Tailpipe. We've got Bearer Bonds. Someone else, someone got to add something here? No, bananas in the Tailpipe for me. Morgs, what do you think? Yeah, say bananas in the tailpipe. Yeah, okay, all right. Let's start with you, Morgs. How are you rating Beverly Hills Cop? Yeah, nothing dropped in the rewatch. Almost forty years old. I enjoyed it as much as I did watching it every afternoon back in the day. Four four bananas in the tailpipe for me. Great flick. Wow, that's big, Morgs. That's a four from you is really, really big, Gow. What do you got? I got exactly that. Can watch it all the time. Still as funny as it was. It's four four bananas in the tailpipe for me. Oh, you're going to go the easy route, aren't you? No, no, no. I, I was actually going to. I was, before, <laughs> I, I'm going to have to start going first because I'm giving this four as well. This is Eddie at his best. Uh, he doesn't get any better than this. He is fucking quality. So I tell you what, I can do this one. So that's four bananas in the tailpipes for Beverly Hills Cop. And Gao, where is that going to put it in the Pantheon? It's oh, be, born to watch it's movies. It's going to be right up there in the pantheon. Well, no, it's into equal fourth with Step Brothers. Yeah, on four pieces of white dog shit, just below the guard. Wow. Yeah, look, that's interesting. That is interesting. Uh, and above Commando at three point nine four elaborate European flat tops. So into four equal fourth. Yeah, I think that's not bad. I think that's not bad. I can handle that. Equal fourth with Step Brothers. It's probably as rewatchable as Step Brothers, to be honest. Yeah, hundred percent, it is. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely is. Okay, what are we watching? Morgs, is it still below deck for you? Uh, no, but I'm under below deck Mediterranean. But uh, Better Call Saul is just ramping up, just getting. Oh, close it's great, to isn't it? Final it's episode really ever, good. as if you've fucking seen it, Nob. And uh, I'm listening to a great podcast too, The Wire at Twenty, about obviously the seminal. TV series that you also haven't seen because of no, that's not true. Work. I have seen seventy one point six percent. Yeah, of that the doesn't wire. count. Um, it, it's really good. It's with uh, Method Man hosts it, and it's it's brilliant. So yeah, check it out. Yeah, what about you? 
I last night finished the terminal list. Thoughts? Season one, if there's another season. Oh, yeah, really liked it. So I said, I think I said last week, the first couple of episodes, I wasn't right into it, but it really grew on me. Uh, it's it's a different story. Yeah. Really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. And still watching the last season of Animal Kingdom as well. So got to get home tonight and watch another one of those. Yeah, nice. Very nice. With Chrissy? No. Okay. Yes. <laughs> surprise, surprise. It's not Will and Grace. <laughs> no. Okay. I've been watching Blackbird, which stars uh, Taron Egerton. It's on Apple. It's great. Okay. I've heard some good things about this. Yeah. I've watched two episodes. Uh, I think it's up to episode four. I've only watched two of them, and it's really, really good. So he's he's in a jail, and he's been given an opportunity to get out of jail if he helps to break a case, essentially. Okay. Yeah. It's really, really good. So that's the end of the show. Another another one down that they're just rolling by. It, it's happening too fast. So we're going to slow it back down when we move in to the next movie. Or are we? It's not being slowed down. No, it's not at all. And Gal, what are we doing? We are going into the greatest Christmas movie of all time. And we'll talk about that, I'm sure. What is it? Die Hard. Yeah. We're well, going big. We are. We are going big. We're going to Nakatomi a, Plaza. Yeah, this is a big couple of weeks. Beverly Hills copy into Die Hard. Yeah, no, it's all happening. It's all happening. What do you think about Die Hard, Morgs? You pumped? One of my top four. I told you. I put, put a lot of time into this movie back in the day. So love it. Can't wait. Uh, we look forward to hearing your take on Die Hard and also the next chapter of Film School for Fuckwits and whatever dribble you decide to spew out of your mouth after having four margaritas and a bottle of wine. Again, we thank the sponsors for Morgz's, uh pissed-up shape that he was in this week. And we can't wait to see you guys again next week on the line as we tackle Die Hard. But for me, it's see you later. See you, everybody. I forgot to say, Gal, Eddie Murphy's got the same teeth as you. <laughs> he didn't grow real teeth? Yeah, both of you just didn't didn't get adult teeth. <laughs> Thank you, Daniel. Goodbye. See you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of Born to Watch. To join us on our journey into some of our favourite movies of all time, you can find us on all good podcast networks like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you like what you hear, give us a five-star review and share with your friends.